Philippians, sorry. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 19. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am not I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in these chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I'd like to continue this week with uh, the theme or the thought, signs of spiritual growth. Last week we we spoke a little bit from the first part of chapter 1 of Philippians verses 1 to 11 on this topic or theme of signs of spiritual growth. And you can see there I've got a a wee kind of illustration uh, which I've also got here, real life example, like the Beach Grove Garden, feels like. Uh, And... A plant is a good illustration of growth, isn't it? Because it has a creator God that made it. And as it's tended to and cared for and watered, um, there's miraculous growth that occurs. But the growth happens first, I would suggest to you, under the surface. And then you start to see signs coming out, sprouting out the top, which we can see now coming through the soil. Now it's the same in our spiritual life as Christians. We become new Christians. So uh, the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says that therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So the first thing I said last week and I would say again this week, the starting point for spiritual growth is receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Until we've done that, we haven't received that new life. It's as if we haven't even got the seed planted in the soil yet and it's only when we receive Jesus and we say you're Lord you know what Lorena sang was so appropriate there we bow down and confess you are Lord in this place and where's this place our hearts ultimately is he Lord of our hearts is Jesus the Lord of our lives well if he is and if we have trusted him and asked him for the forgiveness of our sins and we believe that he's God that seed of that new creation is within us but it, God doesn't want it to, us to stay that way. He doesn't want us to stay, so to speak, with a seed planted in the soil that no one can see and there's no fruit and there's nothing there. Uh, what he wants to see in all of our lives as believers is, is going on to bear fruit, to see growth happen within our lives. And 
it's actually very encouraging and the reason we're focusing on this in a new year is often you think about a new year about what are the plans for the future and what are the things we want to change about yourselves and you know if you're anything like me if you try an actual new new year's resolution easy for me to say (coughs) uh, it might last a few weeks and doesn't really go very far in fact they're quite famed new year's resolutions for never working Uh, but here's just what I would suggest a new year's resolution would be Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So we promise that in God's word, that he's put new life within us. And there's a way in which we're going to think about today, a way in which we can grow spiritually as we would obey the Lord, as we would trust him and trust him. Because he's got a plan. We don't need to come up with anything. He's got things that he wants to do in our lives. So last week we looked at Philippians 1 chapter 1 verses 1 to 11 and we brought out a few signs of growth signs of spiritual growth in this church at Philippi it was a new church it faced problems like every church did but there was good signs of spiritual growth the first one we noted was that the people were joyful in partnership they were serving the Lord together that's always a good sign of spiritual growth in a church isn't it when people are genuinely serving the Lord together and we were we were also think, reflecting on the fact that it's been great to see in this place over the last year and years in fact people serving the Lord joyfully together in a very practical ministry joyful in partnership and then we saw that they were confident in God not confident in our resolutions and things that we plan but confident that God has a plan and God has the ability to enable us to fulfil his plan. It said in verse 6 of chapter 1, we're confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So it's almost like the promise of God's word we can all claim as Christians is that that good work has started, it's planted. And that his word tells us he will carry on that good work until completion. Throughout our lives there's growth, there's things happening. We make mistakes, we ask for forgiveness, but there's growth. We can look back at our lives and we can see we're not where we were before as Christians. Oftentimes we can have regrets and things that we've done, but we can still see growth, can't we? I suppose sometimes it takes someone else to point it out in us. Maybe someone comes along and they say, you know, Sheila, I'm just really encouraged by this in your life. And it's good that we do that to each other and we encourage each other in the gifts that God's given us. And that when we see something that God has done in someone's life to tell them because sometimes we don't always notice it in ourselves either and so they were confident in God as well and they were united in love and prayer very very important Um, a church that isn't united in real love for each other really isn't expressing itself as a church at all because Jesus said your love for each other is the sign so the the key sign of, of growth and the key sign, outward sign to the world that this is a church of Jesus Christ is that it's showing love for one another and they were also united in prayer the two things are connected because if you love someone you pray for them as a Christian if you're a Christian you you genuinely love someone they'll be on your mind and you'll genuinely pray and we just saw that how they had all of these things working Um, they weren't perfect just like we're not but they had signs there within the fellowship of that spiritual growth and we were just encouraging ourselves last week to think about us as a church to thank God for what's already there the good signs that are there but also to ask God to just help us to grow in that 
So today we're moving into chapter 1 verse 12. As I said earlier on, even in one week there, that plant has grown. Might not seem like a lot, (laughs) but I actually noticed it because I'd taken a good look at that plant last week. (laughs) Over the time I had a wee look, I talked to Rachel about it, I brought it to church and had a wee look at it, and I could actually see quite, quite a bit of growth since last week. Now, just in the same way, isn't it lovely that our Lord looks at us in such detail? He loves us and he knows exactly where we are. But it's possible for us to grow day by day. It's possible and we should be growing day by day in our, in our, in our walk with the Lord. And if he's able to do that, he's able to do this, isn't he? There's actually nothing more miraculous than a seed growing. You know, you look at the, the thing they say in the scriptures about the mustard seed. Kathy brought me back a mustard seed, which I really appreciated from Israel. And uh, it's a wee, tiny, wee, minuscule seed, but it grows to a massive plant. One of the one of the largest plants there in the desert. No doubt, Lorraine smiling, maybe you saw some of these mustard trees. Uh, but it's a miracle, isn't it? That something like that can happen from something so small. <coughs> In our face like that, it seems impossible for what's planted in us for, for, for much fruit to come out of it. But that's what God's done. Isn't that really encouraging? And each one of us here today who's a believer in Jesus, there's so much God wants to do within our lives. Both for our benefit and actually for the benefit of so many other people. And that should really encourage us. If he cares after the plants, how much more does he care after you and me? How much more would he care that you would use the gift he's given to you, that you would grow in your spiritual life, that you'd bear fruit and be a blessing to other people, much more than than the plants. So we see, I really am looking for this to, there's going to be some challenging things in here, but I think, first of all, be encouraged, the Lord really, really has a marvellous thing planted within you. You're saved as a Christian and you have some a lot to uh, grow in. <clears throat> now, the first point I want to look at today is that we can grow through trials. That's not a popular subject. In fact, many people don't even preach on that subject because they want Christianity to be something that's easy. Something that you come to God and everything's going to be okay. You're going to have a big car in the garage, you're going to have a big house, wife and kids, and all's going to be rosy in the garden. But you know what? The Bible does not promise us that as Christians. The Bible doesn't promise us that. It promises us all of what we've been talking about earlier on, forgiveness of sins, which is the greatest gift and most wonderful thing that could ever happen in our lives. It promise, he promises us that he who began the work in us will complete it, and that he'll make us all he wants us to be. How better could it be than that? How better gifts can we have than that? He promises us eternal security, so that we're in the hands of the Lord, and even when we die, we're promised heaven, and a place prepared for us. It doesn't get any better than that. The hymn we were singing on Wednesday night, it says, What a day that will be when my Jesus I will see. I will see him When I see him face to face, the one who saved me by his grace, he will take me by the hand, lead me to the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. That's the provision that the Lord's given for us. That's the truth of God's word. And it is wonderful and it's amazing. 
So we don't need anybody telling us that anything else on top of that, do we? But Jesus in, said, in this world you will have trouble. It's not going to be an easy time as a Christian. He said, the world hated me, so it will hate you. So if you go out preaching about me and telling people about Jesus, it's not going to be an easy road for you. But what, did it, what else did he say? He said, take heart, because I have overcome the world. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm never going to let you down. I will never let you down. The world will let you down. People will let you down. But I will never let you down. Isn't that a really, really important truth to hang on to? Because oftentimes even Christians would preach a message that would be different to that and say that your life should be good and if your life isn't good there's something wrong with you. As in good and everything going perfectly. Now, there are obviously things that we do in our lives that are wrong as believers and sinful, let's face it. And if we do things like that, there are consequences to that and sometimes we face the consequences because of the wrong actions I've done or we've done individually. That's true. So some of the time it is our fault if we face consequences for things that we've done and trials. Because there is a consequence to sin. But I want to suggest to you that oftentimes it's not actually to do with what we're doing. It's just the way things are. And we are meant to go through trials. It's part of their experience as a Christian. And it's actually part of our growth as a Christian. And I'm just going to try and just unpack that today and just help. I'm going to focus more on this part than the other points. But just to think about what it meant to be going through trials as a Christian uh, when Paul was writing this letter. Now we don't normally think of the fact that we might grow spiritually through trials, do you? I mean, how many hands up when you first became a Christian did you think, I'm going to grow through great trials? Did you not think something like, this is a great Christian life, fantastic, absolutely brilliant, I'm saved, I'm so joyful, I'm so happy. And you didn't really see, I didn't see when I became a Christian that maybe it would be difficult. But then as you go on in your Christian life, one month down the line, one, two years down the line, you find that life has thrown a lot of negative circumstances at you. Things that aren't fair, hurts and pains caused by people, individuals, organisations, you name it. Unemployment. Family difficulties. And we find we face all of these trials and that, that kind of view of Christianity doesn't really fit. So that's why it's really helpful to look, look at the fact that we grow through trials. We grow through our trials as Christians. None of us wants to go through a trial because a trial by definition is difficult. It's something that's going to be painful. It's something that's going to hurt us in some way. I think sometimes as well we don't see the big picture. We don't take two, three steps back to maybe reflect on what God might be saying to us in a situation like that. And also what he might, be, might have taught us through a very difficult situation. We don't always see the big picture. Now the Apostle Paul was only a Christian for a pretty short time. And when he, he wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, which he planted, he wrote a letter from prison. <laughs> so things were not exactly going very well as far as in a natural sense. He was in prison. But somehow Paul is actually growing through these trials as a Christian. Could you not see that when, when Sheila read earlier on some of these verses? Now I want you to know, brothers, 
that this, what has happened to me, i.e. prison, difficult circumstances, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. That's a big picture view, isn't it? That's somebody that's not just looking at themselves. They're actually seeing that this difficult situation that's coming in, this hard trial, isn't out of God's will. It's actually part of God's will. And that it's actually got a, a greater purpose to it. It's serving to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and more fearlessly. So Paul's seen the big picture. One one commentator, Warren Wearsby, says this about Paul's situation. He says, Paul's chains not only gave contact with the lost, but they also gave courage to the saved. So there's two things that commentator picks out from those verses. First of all, Paul's Paul's trial, his chains, gave him contact with the lost. So the very fact he was imprisoned and he was put in jail, he was put into a place where people weren't believers. And he says there, the whole of the palace guard now knows about Christ. Isn't that good? So through a a situation which on on the natural side of things looks terrible... There's been a spiritual benefit for other people. So he had contact with the lost, but he also gave courage to the saved. And there's there's where our testimony comes in, how we react when we go through difficult circumstances. Other Christians watch that. And it can be a, it's been a great encouragement in my life when I've seen a believer in Jesus go through a hard trial, a very difficult circumstance, but they've trusted God. Do you know there's nothing more encouraging in the Christian walk than looking at a fellow brother and sister in Christ? who has that kind of faith it gives us encouragement doesn't it you think well if God helped them get through that then he can help me you think well there's a testimony of somebody that's been through something really difficult in fact maybe harder than I've ever been through yet they're trusting God it encourages you it gives you encouragement to serve the Lord more and he said that there because of his chains most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of the Lord more courageously and more fearlessly Quite a statement that, isn't it? Guy's sitting in prison. And through the fact that he's been strong in the Lord and he's trusting God in that, the other Christians are encouraged to keep preaching the Lord even when there's a fear of being put in prison, for example. So Paul, as I said, he'd not been a Christian all that long. Here's how he described his experience as a, as a new Christian. He had been in prison frequently, He had been flogged severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times he received the 40 lashes minus one. On top of that, and I'm quoting from 2 Corinthians, he says, Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, I spent a night and a day in the open sea, I have been constantly on the move, I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have laboured and toiled, and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. 
I think it's I think it's fair to say that Paul experienced some trials in his life as a Christian. Maybe if we put ourselves in Paul's shoes, maybe we would question whether or not we were actually in God's will, God's plan for our lives. Because if we were, why would all this negative thing be happening? Why would things be going so badly wrong on an, in a natural, outwardly sense? I know I would be probably thinking that. And I'd imagine Paul questioned it sometimes. <clears throat> As I said earlier on, you know, sometimes when we do wrong things and we sin, there are consequences. But in Paul's case, he was preaching the gospel. He was going out, he was doing what God had called him to do, and all this stuff happened. Life was not easy by any stretch of the imagination. But I want to suggest very, very strongly to you that Paul trusted God confidently. Paul knew he was in the Lord's will because he was preaching the gospel. He knew he was in the Lord's will because he was doing what he was called to do. But he also would have, although he wasn't personally present when Jesus said those words, he would have known these words. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome this world. I'm sure those words must have been ringing in his ears. So my challenge for us today, all of us, don't just assume because things are hard that God's not working. Don't just assume because things are hard in our lives that God isn't working. And that God isn't actually working to help us grow in our experience as Christians. Read through history. The people whom God has blessed others with, individuals of faith. And you'll often find they went through great trials and great difficulties. Missionaries to lots of different countries, China, India, Africa, often, and in this country as well, often went through great personal trials and crisis, yet trusted God. And in their life they experienced wonderful fruit, wonderful growth, not only in their own life, but also in the lives of other people. It makes sense? And that's what happened in Paul's life. God used this man who faced all that trial. If he'd backed off from that, we wouldn't be blessed today by these words. This is the word of the Lord. God used this man from prison many times to write scripture, which builds up God's church to this day and long past this day, no doubt. Isn't that wonderful? But if that man hadn't trusted God, if he'd thought, well maybe because I'm facing trouble I'm just going to back out of this because it's all wrong, we wouldn't be blessed by having all of this fruit, all of these good things as a, as a direct result of him obeying the Lord. So what helped him get through the trials? Well, it was his focus. He didn't focus on the fact he was necessarily in prison. <clears throat> he didn't focus on the fact that he'd been through all of those unfair or whatever you want to call them circumstances. His focus was on Jesus. Paul wrote words like this. Let's focus, fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured this cross, scorning its shame. I think Paul had a real understand. I know Paul had a real understanding of what it meant for Jesus to fix his eyes forward. I mean, Jesus, if you think about it, Jesus for the joy set before him, what was the joy set before him? The fact that he loved us and he gave himself for us. 
and that he knew when he endured the cross millions upon millions of people would be saved because of it and because of that our Lord and Saviour endured trials greater than any of us could imagine Paul understood that we can understand that and it's in our understanding of what the Lord did for us that we can follow him Paul had been through this surrendering experience realising that all of his ability was nothing all that he wanted to do in life was nothing it was all about the Lord and it seems a way up there but it's not it's something we can all do as Christians it's something we should all be doing I'm just trying to encourage us to grow in this area including myself in this today <clears throat> so Paul kept his focus like he saw his Lord do like his Lord told him to do look to me Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Where do we get our help from? In the trial. The Lord. Where do we get our strength from in the trial? The Lord. We focus on him. We come to him. And the circumstances are horrendous, but the Saviour sustains us. He just He just holds us. He holds us up. He gives us that strength. And that's how we grow. <clears throat> We grow in our faith and we grow in our understanding in our relationship with God. So through Paul's trials and these circumstances, we actually saw growth, not only in his own life, because he's maturing and he's understanding all this is actually for the good. Because even this, all the things I'm going through is actually benefiting other people and it's actually benefiting me as well in my relationship with the Lord. And the whole church is actually being encouraged by it. Often in history, um, when the Church of Jesus Christ experiences great persecution, it also experiences great growth. Now one fairly recent example of this is in China, and I went on Operation Mobilization's website, organisation which Lorena keeps us in touch with there, and this is the profile they give about China. Hailed as an emerging superpower, China, officially known as the People's Republic of China, is the fourth largest country in the world, with 1.3 billion people. It is considered the most densely populated nation. With the establishment of the People's Republic of China by the Chinese community in 1949, the country closed its doors to the world. Okay, I want us to just bear in mind that statement. It closed its doors, and that meant it closed its doors to the church. And the right to become a Christian and the right to practice faith, etc. <clears throat> in 1949, it closed its doors to the world. At that time, out of an estimated population of 450 million, there were about 500,000 baptised Christians in China. Today, however, the number has grown to well over 100 million. Perhaps one of, one of the greatest examples of the work of the Holy Spirit in history. Now, I may have got this wrong because I'm not very good at maths. I didn't listen at school. <clears throat> but I tried to work out my calculator. <laughs> uh, in 1949, there was 450 million people and 500,000 Christians. And today, they say there's about 1.3 billion people and 100 million Christians. Now, if my calculator and my skills are right, the country has grown 2.8 times bigger. But the church has grown 200 times bigger Amen. since 1949. Within a lifetime. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. 
country's grown 2.8 times, the church has grown 200 times. Now who did that? God did that. There are faithful people in OM and other organisations who plant the seed. Who go to these hard places, plant the seed. There are then Christians who run with that, who have the seed planted in their lives and they build the kingdom under extreme persecution. But it's remember what Paul said, it's God that causes things to grow. And now our country, I didn't even want to put up our stat because it's it's so bad. <laughs> um, it's something like 7% of the British population calls themselves a, a Christian and they're not even sure if that's accurate or not. It might be less than that. And it's been extremely an extreme decline in our country. But I don't want us to focus on our country at this point in time. I want us to focus on God because God causes things to grow. And I want to suggest something about growth through trials here. Okay? Why trials are a good thing? Because if we were put through trials like that, I don't know what it's like, and maybe none of us do know what it would have been like for Christians in China. But under extreme pressure and extreme trials, and the type of situation Paul faced, imprisonment, death, the church grew then in the scriptural times massively every day. The church in China has grown massively, miraculously. And what that, the, the pressure has done is it's caused people to focus on the Lord, hasn't it? It pushes people. We're in a comfort zone often. And it's only when we have pressurised circumstances that we actually think to turn to the Lord. That's, that's my own. That's the country we live in. It's a country of comfort, isn't it? It's a country where we get most things that we need and we don't struggle to get anything. We've got freedom of speech. Our churches are allowed to meet. Maybe not for long. Maybe that would be a good thing if we got a bit of pressure on there. Because when the church globally has experienced real pressure from government and things going against it, it's actually probably been one of the best things that's happened. So what am I saying in all this? Whether it's individually or together, if we experience trials, it's not a bad thing. It's not really a bad thing. It's actually something which the Lord will use to help us grow. Not only in number of people in the church, but also individually. So even through great trials, God is building his church. He's working miracles. And he wants to do that here in this place. So Paul individually and the church experience growth through trials. But secondly, they experience growth through preaching. They preached the gospel. They stuck to the truth. They preached about Jesus and having to trust in him as your saviour. And Paul... He gives a screed there, I'm not going to read it all out, but he talks about different motivations people have for preaching. But he, he says, the important thing is that Christ is preached. The most important thing Paul had in his mind was, see if somebody's preaching from a pulpit, as long as he's talking about Jesus and he's sharing the gospel, I'm happy enough with that. And I would agree with that. Because at least the gospel is preached. Now, the motivation of the individual preachers he talks about were varied. Uh, Some good and some bad. But Paul was still rejoicing that the gospel was preached. Why was he rejoicing? Because the gospel brings about growth. There is growth that happens when we preach the truth. Because it's God's word. It's God's truth. It's not a man's truth, is it? It's God's truth. 
So it's through the preaching of the gospel and the, the declaring of Jesus as our saviour that people get saved. There's no other way. And even if people are doing it for the wrong motivations or not, not focused on the right things, if the message is right, the message in itself is powerful because it's God's word, isn't it? And it's God's word that will help it. It's like that, you know, the plant again. You know, but the, it needs pure water to grow. The, people can't get saved without the gospel. That's what's going to actually plant it in people. So as long as the message is correct, that's, that certainly is the priority. And that's what's going to cause growth. It's going to cause people to get saved and it's going to cause them to understand the Lord more. So that's the focus there. Christ was being preached. <clears throat> Of course, preaching with the wrong motives is not a good thing. Envy and rivalry are not signs of spiritual growth as a Christian, and they're not signs of spiritual maturity as a Christian. But Paul still keeps his focus right, and he, he still rejoices that the gospel has been preached. He still sees the effect that the church is growing because the gospel is preached, people are receiving Jesus, they're being added to the church, they're growing in their faith and understanding, so he still sees, that's good, well, that's good. And he even experienced some trying to stir up trouble for him. He says there in verse 17 when he's in chains. But he didn't He didn't be bitter. He showed maturity. And he concentrated on the main thing. <clears throat> so the experience goes through trials. Goes through preaching because it's God's word. And people will get saved through that. The experience goes through prayer. Thirdly. He says, yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I just want to think about the fact that prayer is very, very important in our lives as Christians uh, and also as a church. The amount of times Paul asked people to pray for him is quite incredible in the scriptures. He knew what it was to requ require prayer in the circumstances that he was in asking people to pray for him prayer is actually interceding uh, I looked up the word interceding you know and it's just really standing on behalf of someone else stepping in on behalf of someone else and there's a responsibility we've got as Christians I still find this a wee bit of a mystery but I think that's okay is that the Lord is sovereign and the scripture tells us that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us as Christians. That's a great encouragement, isn't it? So I, even before we pray, Jesus is there praying, interceding for our circumstances. We need also that the Holy Spirit helps us when we're a Christian, when we don't know what to pray about, interceding for us. And then a, a mysterious part of it is God wants us to pray too. He wants us to be part of the process. He wants us to cooperate in prayer. He says things like, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. So, God chooses to have us intercede with him according to his will. Isn't that beautiful? And there's a, but there's a responsibility on us individually and particularly as a church to remember the importance of prayer meetings uh, and know that we have to join in that intercession 
that things will happen when we pray and things won't happen if we don't pray. So I just encourage you, if you're able, to come to prayer meetings, to come. We have a time of prayer on Sunday nights often at the service. We have um, a, a prayer focus on a Wednesday night. And it's fair to say that since the beginning of the church here at Moody'sburn, prayer has been a central focus and we've seen God move powerfully. I'm not going to mention specifics, but on the very evening uh, of the prayer meeting this week, we were praying about something and I had a message the next day saying that that evening there was an answer, quite a significant answer to that prayer. As the Lord was leading us and interceding for an individual. So just encourage us to to, to think about that as well. And we're joining with the Lord Jesus, God himself, interceding for us. Romans 8.34 says, Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who raised... Uh, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So he's in the right position to be interceding for us. He's victorious and he we are on his mind. Our circumstances he's praying for them. So our prayer focus is very important as we join together. We'll experience growth through prayer. And finally growth through the Holy Spirit Um, when we're saved as believers most of us if not all of us will understand this but what's planted in us God the Holy Spirit God the Holy Spirit Christ in you the hope of glory uses the word help he said for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the spirit of Jesus Christ what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance now the word help is from a Greek word that I can't even pronounce I'm not going to try but the, the word means supply it means supply one hymn writers wrote these words there is a river that flows from deep within there is a fountain that frees the soul from sin. Come to this water. There is a vast supply. There is a river that never shall run dry. As believers were supplied, were promised the supply of the Holy Spirit within us, that living water that will help us to grow. But like a well, you know when you get a well there, the water needs to be drawn upon. It's there, but it's deep. It's, it's planted there, but we have to draw from the well in order to get the water. And I would suggest that in our lives there, that's, our, that's us surrendering to God when we do that. That's us saying, right, okay, I'm going to lay down my own effort here, and I'm going to now trust your supply. So I've tried it my own way and I'm not going to try it my own way anymore. And when we make a mistake, we do the same thing. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm I'm not going to try harder. I'm going to ask for more of your supply in my life. And we surrender to God and we say, Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to lead us, empower us, give us the strength that we don't have in ourselves. And that, that will well up within us. Have you ever experienced that? 
you know, you're in a situation you don't even know how you can cope with it, and all of a sudden, peace comes over you. All of a sudden, there's a there's a flowing from within you that's supplying everything that you need, and it's just recognizing that, recognizing that it's all there, it's all there within us. But we need to seek the Lord to focus on Him, ask Him to help us. He calls it help. He needs deliverance. He needs help. He knows where to get it. We need help. We need deliverance. We need strength. Do we know where to get it? Paul says, I know that through your prayers, through the prayers of the believers, and through the help given by the Spirit of Jesus, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. So I think these words today should help us enter a new year really rejoicing as believers in Jesus because he's given us so much to enable us to grow, to enable us to have all that we would ever need these signs of spiritual growth should be signs that are visible within our own fellowship that through trials as we're there for each other as we're praying for each other as we're relying on the supply of the Holy Spirit we grow We grow through the trials. We grow through preaching and staying faithful to what God's word says, not what the world says. And because it's his word, it brings growth. Because it's God that makes things grow. Growth through prayer. Why? Because we're called to pray, we're told to pray. It's a command really. And as we obey the Lord, as we trust him and intercede for others... He intervenes and we experience growth and growth through the Holy Spirit. We have a vast supply. There is a river that never shall run dry. So when we feel dry, when we feel at the end of things, we, we aren't really as Christians, there is always a supply. And that's, that's a great encouragement to me and I would trust it would be encouragement to us all that we, we trust in the Lord to, to work within our life and cause about that growth only he can do by the power of his spirit let's pray